Hey guys, looking for some new custom apparel for your next business bonding retreat, your next rush event, or to thank your employees with some new swag? Check out sunshinefits.com. Specializing in custom t-shirts, hoodies, masks, and hats, Sunshine Fits is the best place to get all of your clothing needs at the absolute best price. Nationwide shipping is available. Use the promo code PICKUPTHEBLITZ for 10% off your first order. Check out sunshinefits.com or email service at gmail.com for bulk prices. Sunshine Fits, put a little sunshine in what you wear. Before we dive on into football, we want to thank the sponsor of today's episode, Southern Cigar Co. Southern Cigar Co. is a premium cigar subscription service founded with the goal of connecting cigar lovers around the world with nothing but the best smokes. Heading into a cigar shop and choosing from a vast selection can be a daunting task. Southern Cigar Co. has developed a service that takes away the worry and the hassle while providing you with premium cigars every single month. For under $40 per month and free shipping within the United States, Southern Cigar Co. will ship four of their finest cigars right to your door, with the first box of every subscription including a triple torch lighter, a double guillotine cutter, a Boveda humidity pack, and an informational card displaying everything you need to know about your newest cigars. There's no better pairing to Sunday football and your favorite bottle of beer or glass of scotch than one of Southern Cigar Co.'s top-of-the-line smokes. The world's best cigar subscription would make the perfect gift for the cigar lover in your life. Head to southerncigarco.com and enter promo code PUTB for 10% off your first order. Again, that's southerncigarco.com and enter promo code PUTB for 10% off your first order. And now, on to the football. Bonjour, hello, and happy Saturday, everybody. Happy weekend. Welcome to the Pick Up the Blitz podcast, the show where Guinness former high school history teachers talk a lot about football and very little about history. I'm Justin Heyer. I'm here with the one, the only, Nick Bellotto. And today we have some trade frenzy to recap in the NFL. It was a wild day for us as Miami Dolphins fans and for the NFL as a whole leading up to uh, the NFL draft just uh, a month from now, we had two massive blockbuster deals in the span of 25 minutes. I'm sitting there trying to, as fast as I can, get done a project I had to do it at, at, uh, at 5 p.m. for one of my classes, and all of a sudden my Twitter's blowing up, and that project just had to wait a little bit, Nick. So uh, we, <laughs> we have a lot to discuss and a lot to break down, so I'm just going to toss to you right away. Um, we could start you know, where we stand and feel as Dolphins fans. What was your reaction to yesterday's massive news and i guess wait before you do that i'll just recap dolphins traded out of the three to the 12 with san francisco san francisco gave up several first round picks to make that move and then 25 minutes later the dolphins trade back from 12 into the top 10 with the eagles they got pick six and sent their own first round pick next year to philadelphia yeah so i think i think i went through all of the emotions literally all, all of them, them. <laughs> all of them as we as we kind of tackled this uh collectively um I've, so we've been talking, you and I, Justin, about the necessity to trade back in this draft uh, since ever, forever. We've been discussing it. Um, so this was this was a brilliant move by Chris Beard to, uh, to initially trade back and uh, and get those first round picks for the next two seasons, so they would have two um, until what twenty twenty three, right? So 
brilliant on that on that mark. And then to take one of those picks, well, not to take their own pick rather, uh, and and move back into the top ten. It's honestly like Chris Greer was a step ahead of everybody else. It's like he he was much more prepared for everything, and he like, he just seemed to know exactly how to play all of his cards uh, yesterday with these incredibly bombshell uh, moves that they ended up making. I think, I think what the Dolphins did was brilliant, right? Because they got their extra uh, first-round pick for two years from now, right? They didn't have to give up. They still have a pick next year, and now they have a top-ten pick, right? They still have a top-ten pick, which puts them pr- firmly in position to get one of uh, Jamar Chase or Devontae Smith or Jalen Waddle or Ky- whoever they want. They're still well within uh, striking distance of getting any one of those players, um, so the Dolphins, like they won, I think a, like there's no one who can look at what Miami did yesterday and didn't say they come out with a, a stellar victory. The other teams, well, you know, we'll see, but the Dolphins came out with a big old win. Yeah. I want to dive into the philosophy of, of San Francisco and Philadelphia here, but we'll stick on the Miami chain for a sec. I thought it was, you, you and I were texting. I thought it was a masterful move by Chris Greer. We saw all the cliches on Twitter afterwards. He's playing chess while everyone is playing checkers and, and the like. And it's true. It was it was brilliant. Moving back from 3 to 12, I'm presuming that they it, this was almost like a sort of a, a three-way deal in that Chris Greer already had something lined up with Philly. I doubt he called sure. Philly right after and was like, hey, look what I just did. Want, want, to, want to let me back in? But, you know, I don't think it happened in, in the actual 25 minutes that it was announced. I'm sure it had been discussed for a while. But uh, I thought it was brilliant you move back from three to 12 you get these extra first and what's so brilliant to me about it is you're going to have three if not four quarterbacks taken in the top six picks the Dolphins are not missing out on it really anyone you I'm really I'm assuming you only make this move if you're equally happy with some combination of Kyle Pitts Jamar Chase Devonta Smith Panay like I'm assuming they're all very closely graded or at least two of them are on Miami's board because you're essentially guaranteed those guys and the value of them at six is so much better than them at three because I don't think any of these guys really are like a Chase Young style pick where it's the best player in the draft but the quarterbacks will just go ahead because they're quarterbacks so um, I I thought it was just fantastic I also thought it was interesting and I'm wondering if you have an opinion on this or if you think it's just uh a happenstance coincidence, but they gave up their first round pick next year, not San Francisco's. I think that signals that Miami believes they will be better than a 49ers team. That's just uh, a year removed from a Super Bowl appearance. No. Yeah, absolutely. It does. Um, And I think, I think they might be onto something because the move, the move to me signals that San Francisco is going to be targeting a quarterback, right? Why else would they move up to number three? If they're not going to target Justin Fields or, um, goodness, Zach Wilson or even Trey Lance, depending on how things play out. Um, so they're going to target a quarterback, and that roster is good, um, but their success hinges on everybody coming back healthy. Um, and if they're going to be getting a, uh, a quarterback with that number three pick, you've got to assume that that quarterback's probably going to be starting at some point in the season, which means they might have a couple of hiccups along the way as he gets acclimated to the NFL. So um, for me, I, I would I would definitely gamble on the fact that your roster is going to put out a better performance than the 49ers would be if the goal is to start a if their goal is to start a rookie quarterback right out of the gate. So I think that was a good move. 
That's what makes it kind of odd, right? That the 49ers are now saying that their quarterback is Jimmy Garoppolo, that their starter for 20. And then who, why, like, they did not move up for Kyle Pitts. And it's just, it, it's, that did not right. happen, you know? Right. Or, and or there Jamar no, Chase or Demar Chase. Or Jamar Smith. Chase. You don't know. No, and there's no defender. Exactly. There's no defender that's worth that pick. I don't, I, like I just said, most of those offensive players uh, on a lot of boards are moved up and down and graded quite differently. Even Jalen Waddle's up in that discussion, too. So I, I don't think you make that move unless you're taking a quarterback, uh, which means you're lying through your teeth. Jimmy Garoppolo is not your quarterback for, for 2021. You're not trading three first-round picks to move up and take uh, and take um, one of these quarterbacks if you're not planning on at least giving them a shot to show something. I, I mean, the Chiefs sort of did that when they traded up for Mahomes, but they only moved up to 10, right? They didn't give up nearly right. as much. It's a very different kind of situation. What I find so odd, though, is you have no idea who's going to be there, right? Unless the whole NFL community, in its own little private consensus, knows that Zach Wilson is going to be the second overall pick, you really have no idea who's going to be there. So you can imagine you're three? equally happy with several guys, yeah. Right, that means, yes, that means that, and I think that plays into the the, you know, the COVID world that we're still operating in, you know? with this, you know, the lack of a combine and kind of just gauging everybody off of the, off of the same, you know, off of very limited tape in, in terms of the college football season. So I think a lot of those guys probably are in like the same, you know, kind of, there's not much separating them, right? You got Trevor Lawrence, and then you've got everyone else, right? And from that everyone else, there's a lot to, you know, you could, I feel like you could go with Fields, with Lance, with Wilson, and probably still be okay regardless of which one you're getting if you were to take a stab i'm, I'm gonna guess that zach wilson goes me too too so if yep, you were to take too. a stab which is the one that they traded up for at that point is it mac jones is it trey lance or it's just the field oh it's not mac jones i can tell you that I, people I are saying that though people are saying it's mac jones which makes no sense but that doesn't make that makes no sense um especially i i think that the athleticism of lance and fields is going to make him one of those two much more enticing to san francisco i don't think i don't think you move up to number three to get mac jones i i i think that would be completely shocking um and if that's the case then miami is going to get another first round pick uh, on draft night, when they trade back with somebody to get Fields or Wilson, whoever or uh, or Lance, whoever's available at six, right? If they take, I, I, just, Jones, I just want I just want to tell you though, both Chris Sims and Michael Lombardi have tweeted out that they think it's it's Mac Jones. But why? Because I don't Mac, know. See, like, I, don't I don't know. Listen, I, I like Mac Jones, um, but does he have the athleticism to be great in the NFL? Right? He had one of the best rosters around. And I know there's like, I, I, obviously I recognize that saying this, you can also say it for Tua, right? Um, but he had one of the best rosters around him, right? But he never had, or he doesn't have the same athletic ability that I think Tua had coming out no. in the draft, right? And I think that's what separates him. And in an NFL that requires quarterbacks to move more, um, I don't know if Mac Jones is, athletic. I'm, not, I'm not saying he's not athletic, but I think we can all agree that Fields and Lance are much more athletic than, than yeah. Mac Jones. So you would have to – John Lynch has to be really, really, really in love with Mac Jones to, to pick him over the other ones. Honestly, from a Dolphin fan perspective, take him. Take him. Because that means that number six just became incredibly more valuable. Yeah. 
If they well, see that's interesting. If they do go right, really regardless, if they take Mac Jones or Lancer Fields, I think there will be teams that are clamoring to trade up for either Fields or Lance, uh, which everyone the 49ers don't take. So I would be shocked. I'm telling you right now, I would be shocked if all of the Falcons, Bengals, and Dolphins, who are in picks four, five, and six, if all three of them end up picking in those spots. Because you have to think that one of Carolina or Denver will move up, and or even New England trying to move all the way up from 15 to take whoever's left between Lance Fields and Mac Jones. You have to think that because this is one of the stronger and deeper quarterback classes at the top end in a while. And the quarterback position every year is, is obviously the most premium spot. So I would be shocked. Chris Greer loves to move around. He loves to move around the board, as we just saw. I would not be surprised if the Dolphins don't pick at six. Yeah. Um, I, I, obviously, I wouldn't be surprised if they pick there. Um, but if Mac Jones, like, so if you have Lawrence, Wilson, Mac Jones going one, two, three, right? And then you've still got Justin Fields and Trey Lance, who everybody kind of agrees are going to be top 10 picks, right? Um, my, my, if I'm Miami, I'm answering every single phone call that's, all that's coming in. All of them, because there are so many teams that are pretty close to right behind you that need a quarterback, right? Um, you know, if you get the vibe that the Lions are not sold on uh, Jared Goff, right, and they want to bring in a young quarterback to compete with him, then Carolina's uh, potentially going to be interested in moving up. Like you said, Denver might be interested in moving up. I don't see Miami answering New England's phone call, right, because why? That makes no sense. Um, yeah. But make listen to those calls, or, or Chicago even. Chicago, maybe Washington, right? There are teams in the back half that might be interested in doing that. Now, I don't think Miami should trade unless it's no, they won't. King's ransom. You, you, you don't move to. back up to six if you're thinking of moving all the way down to 18, 19, or 20. Right, exactly. So I, I look at Carolina and Denver as being the most active to trying to get six if Mac Jones goes at three. And then, and then if that's the way it plays out, then you assume, again, you still have one of Pitts, Waddle, Smith, and Chase sitting right there at eight or nine. And then you get another first round pick next year. To, to Chris Greer has so many options. If Mac Jones goes three, that the world is a is his oyster. Like he can literally do whatever he wants. The level of flexibility that Greer afforded himself over the next not this year, next year, but three years yeah. is unbelievable. Because you have this extra third next year. You still have two firsts this year, and then you have two firsts in twenty three. You can move up and down the board however you please for the next three years, which is really tremendous. I think it tells me two things about Miami's feelings and philosophy right now. One, that, or three things. One, that they acknowledge that uh, they're not using that third overall pick to trade for Watson because no one's trading for Watson right now. And we can dive more into that in a little bit, but they're not, they're not trading for Watson. Two, they are sold on Tua as the starter for 21. It's just plain and simple. Otherwise you don't move out of three. And three, that as much as they're sold on him for 21, they acknowledge the fact that the quarterback position is a premium position and that if Tua flops this year, they want to be able to have the flexibility to move around uh, as necessary, whether it's the trade for a veteran to move up in the draft, to take another quarterback or what. They are confident in Tua in 21, but they're not naive. And I think that's the best spot to be in. Sure, 100%. And you know what? I, I was, as we were all surfing through Twitter yesterday to try and figure out what, the, what in God's name was happening, Adam Schefter put out a tweet that I uh, tweet that I think was completely brilliant and sums up just how like 
how wonderful Miami has been in rebuilding this roster since Brian Flores became the head coach. They turned that Laramie Tunsil trade, right? They turned one player, Laramie Tunsil, who is a good tackle, right, into four first-rounders, two seconds, and a third. Can you th- think about that for a second? One guy, four first-rounders. Absolutely, absolutely insane. And it shows, it, it shows that they are on – like we always talk about building through the draft – Miami has now reestablished what that looks like for everybody. Everybody. You, you find the one GM who doesn't know what he's doing, you rob him blind, and then you get all the players you need. So much so is it a treasure trove of, of, of picks, a massive haul, that even Tunsil acknowledged that. I don't know if you saw, he posted on his uh, Instagram story or Twitter or something, someone retweeted it to me, that uh, it's a statue of him outside of Hard Rock Stadium, Love it. and underneath it says, four firsts, two seconds, one third. Which yeah. is just hysterical. I think it's in the same spot that the, uh, maybe where the Marino statue is, but it's Tunsil's body superimposed. Uh, it's it, it's unbelievable what they were able to turn that into. Thank you, Bill O'Brien, for launching Miami's roster rebuild. And I am for real ecstatic about the, the, the number of picks. The one thing that I think we all have to acknowledge is... You still have to hit on your picks. And so far, Greer has done a very middling job of doing that between, you know, Jackson, Igbenogany. It's, it's, been, it's been a bit of, obviously, Raekwon Davis was a hit so far, but it's been a mixed bag. Sure. It's been a mixed bag, but you've got now a lot of opportunities to nail it, right? Yeah. And, and, you know, it's, I think it's unfair to say that Igbenogany is not is going to be a, a bust. Um, it's been a year, right? Um, so it's hard to say any, again, I think that's the problem with that mindset is that you need to come out of college and be an all pro day one. It's the Patrick Mahomes mindset. And that's not fair for 98% of, um, of players. So I don't think, I think the jury is still out on everybody from last year, regardless of if they were successful or not. But I think, you know, even if my, if uh, Greer has not had the most successful track record at picking uh, top guys, they definitely still have – they have so many opportunities to get it right, you know, that if right. they miss on one, it doesn't matter. The, the draft really is about quantity because the best GMs aim to hit 500, and obviously right. you need and a I lot think, of picks to do that. And I, and I think that's fair – I think it's fair to say that Greer has hit um, – has been 500, you know, batting, batting 50%, which I'll yeah. take. Better in the middle rounds, I'd say, than the top rounds, but – Yes, I would. I would say so. I, you're right, though. Jury's still out on all the picks from last year. Um, if you're if you're Greer, I know we discussed this a bit at three, but now obviously you don't have your your you know you don't have the full slate. Someone's gonna be taken at four and five. Who are you most hoping falls to six at this point? Um, so if it plays out right that you've got your three quarterbacks going one, two, three, um. Hmm. It, it really it really depends on how I don't see I don't see uh, Atlanta taking a receiver. The Bengals might, um, and I'm sure they'll probably toss you know between uh, Smith and Chase. So I think I think whoever whoever is available from that pairing at six is the guy I would take. Right, whether it's Smith or Chase, I wouldn't take Sewell because um, I don't think it's a. I know everybody like in the world is saying that. Sewell is, you know, or the Miami that Miami needs a tackle. I don't think they need one yet. Um, 
I think if they go in the second or third round and pick up a, a developmental guy, that would be totally fine. I don't think they should do that with the six picks. So for me, if we get Jamar Chase, I've been I, in the beginning of draft season, I was all on Devontae Smith. Now I'm slowly moving to Jamar Chase. I would be very, very happy with Jamar Chase at number six. I would be as well. I don't see, like you said, Atlanta taking a receiver. There have been reports. I think Albert Breer was the one who uh, reported today that Joe Burrow is campaigning to get his college teammate Jamar Chase over to Cincinnati. Wouldn't shock me because then you have this dynamic sure. uh, dynamite trio of Tyler Boyd, T. Higgins, and Jamar Chase. So that wouldn't shock me. I also think Kyle Pitts is going to be squarely in the mix of all three of those picks. Atlanta did just trade for uh, Hayden Hurst, the second-round pick last year. So they have him, but the Bengals really do need a tight end. So I could see them going Kyle Pitts as well. I think that's my favorite choice, and I've been slowly moving on to the Kyle Pitts train, as you know, uh, over the course of these past couple episodes. I just think that the you know you have Will Fuller and Parker on each outside. You have a combo of Bowden and, and, and Wilson and Slot, and you have the 100% most talented tight end combo in the NFL, maybe only rivaled by New England's free agent spending spree of John U. Smith and Hunter Henry between Kyle Pitts and, and Mike Gusecki. I don't know how you stop this team in, in the red zone with that kind of talent in four players that are all absolutely dynamite at that part of the field. So yeah, I, I would love Kyle Pitts. Jamar Chase would be equally exciting for me, though. I, I really do think that any of those three, Smith, Pitts, or Chase, is an absolute win at pick six. And you are guaranteed at this point one of those three. Right, and it shows you that Miami is totally comfortable with one of those three. Like, exactly. whoever is available at that spot, they are totally comfortable with. Because, you know, I think there's a very good chance that, uh, that since he takes um, Sewell, I think there's a really yes. good chance because they could really use some offensive line help, and they haven't invested in it the same way Miami did last year. So I could see Sewell going at five, and then assuming that the Falcons, you know, well, whatever the Falcons end up doing, who knows? They could take another quarterback for all we know. Um, Miami literally could – Miami could be – in the exact same position that they were in at number three, at number six. Which, again, emphasizes the brilliance of Greer's move. Yeah. And then, yeah. I mean, listen, I would like Kyle Pitts. I, I think if it was Pitts or Chase, I would take Chase because um, I don't trust Will Fuller long term. But if Chase is gone and you take Kyle Pitts, I will not be upset about it. Go Gators. The Philly perspective here. It's Very weird. interesting. Very <laughs> weird and interesting because uh, I think it was Schefter. I'm, I'm never sure who I'm – it's too many people on Twitter. But I, someone tweeted out that Philly was very, very interested in moving up for Zach Wilson, but they knew that if they traded up to three, you're not guaranteed Zach Wilson. In fact, you're probably not getting Zach Wilson. And, and uh, no one really engaged the Jets in talks, uh, apparently, at this point between the 49ers and Eagles because uh, they're quite excited about Zach Wilson. So – they chose, okay, we're not going up for a quarterback, let's just move back. But it's a, that's an odd decision because you're admitting at this point, if you're thinking about moving up for Zach Wilson and it's now out there in the public, that you are not sold on Jalen Hurts. But now you've taken yourself out of the running for any of the quarterbacks who might fall because presumably by 12, there will be none of those top four guys left. Just very, very strange decision making to me. So I completely agree with you. And, you know, listen, the Eagles have done a good job at collecting capital, right? They've got a lot of picks in the next couple of years. And with that Wentz trade, like that, that uh, what was it, a conditional second, that could be a conditional first, right? If and probably plays. will be a first. And more than likely will be. So that's great. Like, good job, guys. Um, 
but you clearly have no plan, right? That's what I think this says to me is that, yeah, you have a bunch of picks, but you have no idea what you want to do with them, right? Because you, you made no moves in free agency, so you're, which tells me you're not sold on Jalen Hurts. Um, but then you trade back to get yourself, like you said, out of that quarterback conversation, which means you are sold on Jalen Hurts. It, it literally sh- like screams to me that Philly has no idea what they're doing, and they're just kind of like, this is what everyone else does. Let's get all the picks. <laughs> <laughs> Howie Roseman went from one of the most lauded GMs in the NFL, obviously yielding a, a Super Bowl winning roster, to an absolute mess. I mean, right. completely like the gamble, bungled the, the Wentz situation, and now doing the same with Jalen Hurts. The gamble that they're making, right? The gamble that they're making that one of those top four receiving threats is at 12 for them is a very risky gamble to be making because that's what they need. They ain't got anybody for Jalen Hurts to throw the ball to. Right? Exactly. So they need uh, a receiver, and all they did was potentially push themselves out of that uh, out of that conversation, which I think was a huge mistake. Huge. But mistake I will say, I will say though that the, all of this movement is really awesome for the ten to twenty picks who want an elite defender, because yes. there is going to anyone in those ten to twenty in that ten to twenty pick range is going to have uh, kind of their pick at some of the top defenders in this draft class because quarterbacks are going to be so overvalued in the early first round. So if you were sitting at 10 and 20 as a fan of one of those teams and you wanted a defender, you're probably going to get one of those defenders. I will make this claim right now. If if more than two defensive uh, defensive players are picked in the top 10, I will be surprised. I will yes. be surprised because you're I think it's virtually guaranteed at this point that you have four quarterbacks go top 10. I would be surprised if all of um, Sewell, Chase, and Pitts were not taken in the top ten, that's already seven uh, offensive players. And I think Devont- one of Devontae Smith or Jalen Waddle will also be in that top ten. And that's not even uh, counting the other top tackle in this draft in Rashawn Slater, who can also very right. well be top ten. So yeah. there might be eight or more offensive players. You're right. Anyone in the top uh, top 20 in that range, 11 to 20, who wants a defender will be very happy with the with the guys who fall. I, you know what's so interesting about this Philly situation? Miami and Philly in this trade kind of swapped spots with, and I know there's a lot going on here, but should Deshaun Watson next year be in this uh, in the same situation regarding trade? Obviously, not the legal stuff, but the trade. It's now Philly that's in the in the driver's seat, and I don't think Jalen Hurts is going to be able to succeed with this uh, skeleton, bare-bones team that, at least on offense, that he's he's playing with between injured offensive linemen, old offensive linemen, and lack of weapons. Philly's kind of in the driver's seat because you've probably got three first-round picks in one year that you can ship off. Do you think that they're going to make make that trade this year? I mean, that's such an interesting interesting play. I mean, so let's assume. Uh, I guess it's not fair to assume, but let's. I don't, um, it's. I mean, let, we gotta. We have to dissect it more before we assume. So assume anything, and I wasn't even going to yeah. assume the the. Uh, my assumption was based on these lawsuits that are being sure. d- that are slowly developing. Nothing else. Um, but you know, the unfortunate nature of um, of, of the world that we live in is a lot of these things kind of go away without anyone noticing, um, pretty quickly, and that sucks and is not right. But let's just, let's assume that happens as it normally has, and Philly has all of this draft capital now. You know why? Why yes. not make a push and, I, and and throw in that uh, that conditional second round pick? Then you've got then you've got your four round pick 
your four for if they turned all this into Deshaun Watson, that would be a great. That would show me they have a plan. It would be wild. You 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 ship wild. off you ship off Jalen Hurts, and then four first round picks, which is what you have between these next two years. You're kind of in you're kind of in the driver's seat. You're right up there with New York and with Miami. The thing is, Deshaun Watson is not getting traded before the draft. It, it, he's just he's not. Right. It's up to 20 lawsuits right now. I had been doing a live counter update on our last episode. We're now up to 20. I, I, the NFL has that an investigation wild. going on. No one is trading for Deshaun Watson. Uh, no, it's not fair to assume anyone's innocence or guilt, but I will say when you have 20 of these, where there's smoke, there's got to be some sort of fire. Uh, so again, not presuming anyone's guilt. But it, it, the nature of the matter is that no one could trade for him. That's the bottom line here uh, from a football right. perspective. That is, the, that is the bottom line. So Watson is not being moved before the draft, which means Miami's two first-round picks this year are, are not in play uh, for Deshaun Watson. And Philly now has three next year. New York has two next year. The Lions could be an interesting move as well, given the fact that they have accumulated picks from the Stafford deal. Who knows if Watson would want to go there. But uh, it, it does make that whole dynamic very interesting. You agree, though, right? There's no way he's moved within the next because these things move slowly. They they just do. It takes the legal process takes a long time. The NFL has an investigation that obviously is going to take a long time. Once it's concluded, who knows if he'll even be playing football uh, at, at that point? But there's no way he's moved before the draft, right? No way. No way that this is happening before the draft. No way this is happening before these lawsuits get handled. It's just which not, is no going to gonna, take time. Right, no one's going to make that move until uh, until they're confident that this isn't this in whatever this is in whatever this is. Exactly, uh, and for anyone who is curious about uh, the legal standpoint of this whole situation, who wants to understand more about how that works and what Watson's options are and the reason between civil and uh, as opposed to criminal, there's there's a lot to learn there. Mike Florio, who's obviously a lot of people know as as the head of uh, pro football talk. Mike Florio was a lawyer for uh, 15 plus years. Great articles, great reads on uh, all of that information. So highly recommend anyone who's curious uh, goes and, and, and takes a look there. I am a, a legal studies major at the, at the Miami Business School, but I do not feel qualified enough to start dishing on the legal standpoint of, uh, of everything that's, that's going on there. So I'm going to refer you all to Mike Florio of pro football talk who has uh, decades of experience in that uh, in that sphere, but uh, I, there's just no way. No one could take that risk. I am curious, though. I was talking about this uh, earlier today with a friend. What would have happened if Deshaun Watson was traded a month and a half ago? Everyone would have like, been really would, pissed. Like, what? Do you think there's some sort of mechanism when when teams make blockbuster trades of that nature, where there are like uh, safety nets? If if players get into some sort of off the field personal something uh, that close to because otherwise I mean can you imagine if he was traded to the Dolphins let's say or to the Jets or whatever and then this comes out uh, I, there has to be something conditional in there right because this is like this could totally wreck a franchise um, there has to be something some sort of protection I can't imagine there isn't I don't I have no idea what it would be but I, I can't imagine that. Um, there isn't a protection from all these types of blockbuster trades. Uh, here's a here's an interesting interesting fact. This is Mike Tannenbaum, our former our former GM, who just tweeted this out. Over the last ten years, 
of quarterbacks that were traded up for in the top three, the list of those quarterbacks is Robert Griffin III, Jared Goff, Carson Wentz, Mitch Trubisky, and Sam Darnold. Oh, so all stars. That is a cautionary tale, if I have ever heard one. That is, that's concerning. That's, <laughs> and it's, you know what? It, it, honestly, it probably is connected to the lack of uh, support that they can provide for the guy, right? Because if you're trading right. up th- that spot, you've got nothing left in your, in your draft arsenal. So it's like, all right, buddy, go out there and good luck. You're on your own. And then they generally flop. Generally, they all flop. Yeah, none of those guys had quite the support system that these this player will probably have for the 49ers. You know, obviously no coach like Shanahan. Uh, you have some nice weapons there in Kittle, Devo, Samuel, and Brandon Ayuk. They brought Trent Williams back. So this is probably the best of any of those scenarios that any of those guys would have been uh, drafted into, though. So if, if I'm going to be you, confident in anyone making that happen, it's, it's Shanahan. Can you, uh, can you imagine a scenario, just for fun, just for fun, Justin. Imagine a scenario where the 49ers uh, tank this, have a terrible year, and Miami's back in the top five next season. Can you imagine that? Would that be, how incredible that would be. Chris Greer will win Executive of the Year. If he, he's going to win happens. Executive of the Century, if that if that's what happens, it would be it would be unreal. And honestly, not completely out of the question, given the number of question marks around the defense on that roster uh, in sure. terms of injuries and and guys coming back. Now, uh, to presume that guys like Nick Bosa are just not going to be relevant it would be silly, but sure. uh, it's, it's definitely uh, an interesting note, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, where else do you want to go with uh, the rest of our episode today coming up past the half-hour mark here? Well, I mean, I think, I think that, you know, we, I think we really touched on the vast majority of things that happened in the last week that are, are noteworthy, right? What else has yeah. happened in the NFL that's not surrounding this draft? Um, you know, because these trades completely shake up just about everything um, because it, it like, I, like we kind of touched on, it. everybody now has such a different uh, – like they have so many different things that they have to plan for going into round one now. Um, and the Dolphins just – the Dolphins basically just took a bunch of sticks of dynamite to everyone's draft plan and just blew it up, and it's wonderful. Um so, yeah, I mean, I think we hit everything we needed to hit, no? <laughs> All righty. We'll jump right into the wild card question then. Yeah, I have, let's uh, do it. I have a doozy for you today. Okay. So I was talking to, uh, to a friend, this person you know. You know Matt. Okay. And uh, okay. we were talking about uh, cookies, desserts, as, as, as people do. And Matt is under the impression uh, – Matt, rather, I could just tell you, does not like oatmeal raisin cookies. He's not a fan. Okay. Okay. But he does like oatmeal cookies which I did not know exist in their non-raisin form. So I wanted to get, which I, I think this is just nuts, by the way. He won't eat oatmeal raisin cookies, but he'll, he'll, he'll eat oatmeal cookies. He has this much of an animosity towards raisins. What is your take on oatmeal raisin cookies? I think they're fine. I think, I I'm, think a, I'm, I'm a gonna, big fan. I, I like them, but I'm not going to like, I'm not going to go out of my way to get them. Right. So if they're available and I'm going to eat and they're there, I'll eat them. But like if you if you give me all the cookies out there, I'm probably not going to choose them within the first like two or three options. Because I'm a classic chocolate chip cookie guy. Love me. I like uh, chocolate cookies as well. Big fan of those. Um, too, there's a, too I just feel like there's a chocolate. lot of. Oh, you got to get the right one. So you got so to. But I one. that's how I feel about oatmeal raisin, because I think that a good oatmeal raisin cookie, like the best oatmeal raisin cookie rivals the best of any other flavor of cookie. 
Chocolate chip, notwithstanding, it's a classic. Grandma's chocolate chip cookies. Everyone's grandma makes the best chocolate chip cookies, and that's just the way it is. I'm also not right now including, I don't know if you, like, it's like a night owl cookies. Uh, I was a college student. I frequent night owl. Do you know what that is? I, I've heard of it. They're like these gourmet, they're infused with Oreo and marshmallow and snickerdoodle and Reese's and Kit Kat and all this kind of stuff. And so we're not including those. I'm not including like gourmet. I'm I'm including your classic flavors, right? We're talking chocolate chip. We're talking peanut butter. We're talking oatmeal raisin. We're see, talking maybe a snickerdoodle or an M&M. The, so the, see, the one so see, thing me, inside. So for me, chocolate chip, snickerdoodle, and M&M would be over the oatmeal raisin. No, I go to – this is where we differ. Maybe a not oatmeal okay. raisin. Maybe not the M&M. I'm going to take back the M&M. I put it third in the list that you just gave me, the oatmeal raisin. Okay. okay. All right. Interesting. Do you think that regular – have you ever seen an oatmeal cookie, just no. oatmeal? No. Matt's a psycho. No. Matt's a psycho. I, I don't know if he's quite at the point where he's picking out the raisins. That would be that would be like, okay, well, we like, need to get him institutionalized concerning kind of thing. But um, <laughs> well, like the best part of the oatmeal raisin cookie is the raisin and what it brings to the cookie. Who is – like, why don't you just have bread? Just have bread. Just go get some wheat bread and, and – Or make some stuff. oatmeal. Or make some oatmeal. Like, if you just <laughs> want – like, Okay, exactly. Exactly. What are you doing? Like, why waste everyone in that bakery's time asking them for an oatmeal cookie? Get out of here, man. It's just – yeah, it's not – I thought not, he was a smart guy. And here he is picking his raisins out of the – out of the, I'm, I'm, that's uh, just not, it's not good. I'm, I think I'm, I'm slandering him a bit here. He might not actually pick the raisins out, but it, that's how I'm picturing it. No, let's that's assume that he does. Because have you ever gone to a bakery a lot and just gotten an oat? Have you ever seen the option for an oatmeal? No, cookie? no. Tommy's here in the chat saying Snickerdoodle rules. Snickerdoodle is overrated. Right. It just, it's no. no, it just is. I'm, I'm. I'll say it right no. now. It just is. It just You're is. Hundred percent wrong. Uh, be, it's they're overpowered it's too much too much flavor because then you don't get the rest of the cookie the best part about like a really good chocolate chip cookie is not the chocolate chips right the chocolate chips are almost like the accent right but what makes a really good chocolate chip cookie like the chocolate here from the best cookie to the worst is kind of here nor there it's the cookie same with an oatmeal raisin right same with an m&m or a, 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 a peanut butter their accent the snickerdoodle is just too much it's overpowering i disagree completely i think it's superior to the oatmeal raisin Okay, this is this is where we did. Speaking of uh, cinnamony flavor, did you hear about the whole cinnamon toast crunch scandal? Yeah, how this guy had this guy found shrimp heads. There's no way. There's no way. There's no who. Like, what are you talking about, man? You're telling me that there's there just happens to be shrimp in the facility that makes bread items. Yeah, let's yeah, let's think about this logistically. There is no chance that the conveyor belt with the cinnamon toast crunch is next to the shrimp conveyor belt. Do shrimp even go on a conveyor belt? Like, there's no way. There's just no. Where would that have happened? This man is. A, this person is 100 lying. 100 lying. There, this doesn't happen. Like, if you told me you found a staple in your cinnamon toast crunch, all right, I'll give you that. But shrimp tails, get out of here. Get I think the funniest here. part about the whole thing is that cinnamon toast crunch claimed that it was just like extra clumps of of cinnamon, which were very clear, which is very clearly not the case. They look like shrimp tails. Yeah, okay. I think it would have been a much safer thing for them to just say he's lying and those. Those he put those there because I don't think anyone I don't think anyone in the world if if cinnamon toast crunch came out and said listen we don't want to totally disparage this guy but there's no way there's shrimp tails in your cinnamon toast crunch I think everybody in America except for that one guy who found them would totally be okay with that answer like get out of here just it was yeah get out of here exactly exactly 
So. All righty. What a, what a way to end the show today. Uh, to everyone who, who jumped on Live on Locker Room, thank you so much for being here. We're getting some questions about uh, Dolphins draft strategy and all that. This episode will be up for anyone who missed the majority of today's show and, and jumped on late. This episode will be up on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, everywhere you get your podcasts within the next 24 hours. So make sure to jump back and, and listen to uh, all our takes on uh, Miami's draft strategy and uh, the impact for the 49ers and Eagles on these trades. Um, Kyle Pitts all the way, though. I'm just letting you know, Pierre, there in the chat. Um, uh, yeah, this episode will be up on all those platforms. We'll be back next week to talk much more NFL, much more Miami Dolphins live here on the Locker Room app. For anyone who doesn't know, we record all these episodes live on the Locker Room app, which is available on the App Store, live podcasting, sports talk platform. We come on here and do our shows. we got athletes that come on here and talk. We've got some heat players on here. Jeff Darlington comes and talks NFL. Great platform for us to interact with you guys, for you guys to interact with other sports fans and people in, uh, in our industry. So make sure to download the app and join us live. But until next time, thank you very much for joining the show and for listening. And we'll see you next week. Thanks, guys.